welcome back to Superhero Cinema, the weekly show about superheroes on TV and the movies and in comic books. I'm Michael. I'm Jefferson. And I'm Jonathan. And this is issue number 16 for the end of August 2007. So let's move on to some reviews. Um, let's start off with uh, the newest direct-to-DVD movie animated film from Marvel, um, following up on their uh, two Avengers movies and their Iron Man movie. And I don't know if either of you guys saw it. It's, it's sitting tantalizingly on the top of my DVD player waiting to be put in and watched, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I think I'm going to watch it tonight after we're done recording. Which does not help us right now at all. Well, the best thing I could say, or first thing off, after my negative reviews of the first three, because I pretty much thought the first three uh, sucked, um, <laughs> this one did not suck. It, it's actually my favorite of the four so far. Um, it's uh, it, it, it worked for me. Um, it, it basically worked on the same levels that the first three did not, particularly Iron Man. What I really didn't like about the Iron Man direct-to-DVD movie was that they lost the spirit of the character. Um, pretty much almost all of the original Stan Lee creations were all about redemption were all about a character having done something and then making up for it and, and that was totally lost I felt in the Iron Man directed DVD movie um, here they, just as in almost all adaptations you know since this show is mostly about superhero adaptations we cover this a lot the, the characters changed I mean they changed the origin story somewhat and they changed the character somewhat but they did what you do in the best case which is you change it and the changes work um, you still retain the spirit of the character. You still retain the identity of the character. You still retain the things that make the character unique and and exciting and interesting, and just change it in ways that make sense for contemporizing it or making it work in the medium that it's being done in. Um, they made Doctor Strange part of a team um, instead of just being this kind of individual solo thing where where when he meets the Ancient One, it's basically him, Baron Mordo, and Wong, and that's it. And they're the only ones out in the mountain retreat. Here, the Ancient One actually is in charge of a team of mystics who uh, are sent out to kind of save the world, to to protect the world against the incursions of the dread Dormammu. Um, Dormammu is still the villain. Um, but instead of just it being you know, solo kind of stuff, it's, it's uh, Mordo. Instead of just being the lone apprentice, he's the current head of of the kind of mission team, the people who actually go out into the world and and try to uh, save them. Uh, in this one, Doctor Strange, the actual Doctor Strange part is, is really pretty much straight from the comics. I mean, really, they, they, about the only thing they added, they added some additional motivation to him really being a jerk. Um, in, the, in the comics, you know, he basically is a jerk and then has his accident, ruins his hands, and then has, you know, spends all his fortune and all his time trying to cure that. Um, here they give you some background, a little bit of additional info as to why he was a jerk and kind of try to explain why he was that way. And give you a reason why you know his redemption is possible that that there was you know a good character within him, and um, you know other than that, I mean he 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 does still become the sorcerer supreme. It's all about magic. It's all about great visuals of the of the of the sorcery and everything. And uh, the effects were great. The all the voice work was great. There was really nothing for me to dislike about it. Yeah, definitely a far cry from the first three Marvel animated ones. Then. And uh, they have announced uh, the next two that won't be out until sometime next year. Um, depending on where you look, um, the next one's either Teen Avengers or Avengers Reborn. It's still currently being listed on Marvel's information that they put out about their upcoming films as Teen Avengers, um, which kind of led me to believe that it was more like the comic. Um, but in fact, on the Doctor Strange DVD, they do a preview of, of the next movie, and on there they actually call it Avengers Reborn. So we'll see which one 
it ends up being. Um, the interesting thing, though, is it did let you know where the, what the direction is on it. It's actually not based on the Teen Avengers book from the comics. It's actually an offshoot from the Ultimate Avengers two movies that they've done. It kind of takes those characters and is doing a generation beyond them. Okay, so that's what was going to be my question, is whether it's it's just teenage versions of the regular Avengers characters. Or... No, it's a continued story from the first two direct-to-DVD animated films. So it's kind of that world that they created there 20 years later. So for this Doctor Strange video, did they uh, – so you said they stayed pretty true to the character? There wasn't like any so. sort of – yeah, not any sort of really getting away from the continuity of the character there? Well, it's a brand new continuity. I mean, it's 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 a brand new story, just using all the elements from the original story. Did they set it up for a sequel? Because I've noticed oh, for absolutely. all these Marvel DVDs, they don't ever list a sequel as anything next. You know, they haven't done any sequels to any of the ones they've done. No, and and they didn't specifically say at the end of it to be continued or Doctor Strange two coming next year or anything like that. But it was definitely left with the intention of it being a continuing story. It, it was left as the jumping off point. There was a the usual kind of wink 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 uh, at the audience at the at the very end of the episode, including a reference to uh, uh, you know a famous future character from the Doctor. Strange mythology. Uh, I'll leave that for the fans of the of the character to get when they watch the show. Yeah, I don't see how they can really not do that since these are all based on on characters who were created to be ongoing series characters. You know, I don't know if it's possible to do just one completely standalone story that feels like a standalone story. There's always should be some sense that the character continues at the end. So I'm not really a Doctor Strange fan, but you know, I mean, I'm kind of interested. I mean, do you think that? They have this movie accessible to people who are not Doctor Strange fans? Oh, absolutely. You could totally watch it and not know anything about the character. I mean, what's, what would be in it for me to watch it, even if I don't like Doctor Strange? A grand story of adventure and <laughs> excitement and magic. And pretty visuals. Ooh. Yeah, how was the animation on it? Was it good? I thought the animation was great, yeah. So let's move on. Um, Jefferson actually wanted to do this uh, review of Flash Gordon. I've watched the show as well, so let's go ahead and hear what uh, Jefferson has to say about it. Oh, I think we should we should co-review it. I'm not going to take all the Oh, all yeah, the flash go ahead. For... I'll, I will uh, I'll follow up on you. Well, it's, it's crushingly disappointing, I have to say. Um, I was looking forward to the series when I heard it was coming out. I thought it'd be fun. I actually kind of liked the the 1981 movie. I mean, it's cheesy as hell, but but there's a certain sort of camp 60s Batman type charm to it. And the uh, new series didn't really get that at all. It's really, I mean, it tried to come up with a more modern um, take on the character, which is fine in theory. But in execution, I found the show to be uh, really just kind of bland. You know, really cheap. It looks really cheap. The special effects are, are very good. The cinematography is really gray and flat, I thought, and it was just—it just reminded me of like really bad, like Stargate Atlantis type, uh, like flat, cheesy TV writing. There was nothing, no, no life to it. It felt just really—it felt really lifeless. I guess was is the the best thing I can come up with for it. Well, we know we're now going to get letters from the Stargate Atlantis fans, <laughs> and we haven't gotten any from any of the Smallville fans yet. So, uh, maybe the so it, but isn't the character supposed to be campy? That's, that's my point. Is that you know, I don't think this series is necessarily campy. It's just boring. It's just I just thought it was bland and dull. You know, there's not that sort of Technicolor life that's definitely there in the '80s movie and that's there in the original comics. It's very one thing in particular that I really 
thought failed to capture the spirit of what Flash Gordon was supposed to be about was the the basic setup of the show. For those of you who haven't watched it, or that town that Flash lives in is sort of beset by these uh, these dimensional rifts that lead to the faraway planet Mongo, where Ming the Merciless lives. And so Flash travels back and forth through these little dimensional gateways, and people from Mongo travel back and forth. So so far, the series, the two episodes that have been on, have been about characters from Mongo appearing in this little town on, on Earth that Flash Gordon lives in. And in the old comics and in the, the, the old films and even in the 80s film, the story is more about Flash being stuck on Mongo and him being this regular Joe who's stuck in this really bizarre setting that he has to deal with in addition to all the problems of, of saving the universe from being the merciless and so forth. And so they kind of failed that right away because they've, they've basically set it on earth and just people from Mongo come to earth and pester him while he's, while he's in his mom's kitchen, which is a great way to save money on sets. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I think they're kind of going for like a Smallville type feel to it, but that's, I think that to me contributed to the kind of dull lifelessness of the, of the series. It just didn't, present this and all i mean the, the all the alien characters look like guys in suits they didn't really do much with with making them look bizarre and alien it was yeah it was just really I, I keep coming back to the word bland because that's that's what keeps going through my head as i watch the as as i i think back on the two episodes that have been broadcast so far it was just really bland and dull and gray and flat well my review of Flash Gordon will be an homage to my one of my favorite animated series, The Critic, starring John Lovitz. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, it's uh, it's disappointing because I wanted it to be good. You know, I, I as I said, I liked the '80s movie. Um, I always want new TV shows to be good, but this one in particular had a lot of potential, which it has completely failed to to realize. Yeah, after watching the first episode, I didn't feel any need to even watch the second. I, I gave it a chance with the episode. I'll probably watch the, the next one, but I think I'll probably be done after that. So next on our reviews, uh, we're actually going to do some comics reviews. Uh, Jonathan, who is our resident Marvel expert, um, has been reading their current big mega crossover, World War Hulk, and uh, he had some stuff to say about that. Yeah, I mean, how could I pass up a mega crossover from Marvel, right? I mean, it feels like I'd be, be betraying myself. So, yeah, the uh, following up uh, Civil War, apparently Marvel's next big crossover is called World War Hulk. Uh, it is a five-issue miniseries that they are putting out right now. They're up to issue number three as of our podcast here. And uh, the premise is, uh, this is actually a, a follow-up miniseries to one called Planet Hulk, where uh, Doctor Strange, Mr. Fantastic, Iron Man, and uh, Black Bolt of the Inhumans decided that the Hulk is too dangerous to live on Earth. So they managed to trick him to get into a space shuttle, and they sent him off to this alien planet, and uh, and they thought that they were free of the Hulk and all of his, his crazy on-again, off-again rampages. Hulk smashes. So... With uh, the World War Hulk, the premise is that um, apparently, you know, the love of his life when he was on the sailing planet was killed, and so now he's coming back with uh, with his entourage of just as strong as he is buddies to come back and and take his revenge on uh, those four that had sent him away, and just kind of take his revenge on Earth and uh, just become, you know, the master of Earth. And so the Hulk um, is back, and he's pissed. And he's pissed. He he is ready to take out anything. You know, he's. It doesn't matter who it is that's trying to reason with him. He is in no mood to be reasoned with. And uh, it's written by Greg Pak, 
and penciled by John Romita Jr. And it's been really good. I mean, you know, I, I've never been a real big Hulk fan before. So for me, it's like, you know, I don't feel like I'm lost not knowing all of this Hulk background. I mean, you get the concept of the character. That's all you really need. You know, that's it's it's designed to have lots of smash em up scenes. And uh, and he does it. I mean, you know, he's he, he uh, dishes it out left and right. And uh, I'm not going to give away too much, but, you know, so far as of issue three, nobody's been able to stop him. So um, it's been really good. It's been really interesting. Apparently, it's a really popular miniseries for Marvel. They're going to a second printing um, of issue number one. It's uh, it's really good. I definitely recommend that everybody pick it up, check it out. You know, you don't have to uh, be immersed in the Hulk continuity to be able to to appreciate what it is because they do a good job of summarizing all the things that have happened to him in his his recent past so here's one thing i'm curious about i mean i i kind of followed this just from reviews of the show of the uh issues the whole planet hulk thing basically he went to another planet and he took charge of that planet i guess he had to fight a whole lot of people and kind of ended up being in charge and uh so exactly but but it was a very harsh kind of thing for him to go through where and and now he's back where is bruce banner on all of this um he's still bruce banner bruce banner is still you know his other personality and this is the smart hulk so he he can talk he can reason um but he's because he is so pissed he's just completely repressed bruce banner Oh, okay so he's just because he's managed to stay angry for an entire year or so he's not turning back to banner because he's never coming down Exactly, exactly. And this is um, supposedly the angriest the Hulk has ever been. And uh, the only time that Bruce has made an appearance so far is when uh, Doctor Strange managed to get into the mind of the Hulk and try to confront him that way. And so he managed to calm him down a little bit to speak with Bruce. And, uh, and so that was one of their tactics to try to you know, stop the Hulk from you know, destroying the planet Earth and taking over Manhattan as, as he's done so far. Now, uh, so uh, so it's really good, you know. I um, I think that uh, you know it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how this resolves itself because I mean you know obviously nobody's going to be able to physically stop the Hulk. So you know I'm not exactly sure how they're going to resolve this, where all this is going. So how you know, much does it cross over into the other into other Marvel books? Is it a big mega crossover? Is it fairly contained within its own series? Um, I would say semi-crossing over. Of course, there's still the ongoing Incredible Hulk title um, that it crosses over into. But um, it's also going into other titles like Ghost Rider, Heroes for Hire, um, just like uh, the Civil War title. Um, there's also a World War Hulk um, frontline where you have reporters who are kind of you know, getting the, the everyman perspective of what's going on here. And see, there's that, some that's Avengers crossovers, and so, yeah. yeah. That's unfortunate in a way because, I mean, that, that, that story, that basic story that you described sounds pretty interesting to me. And I love John Romita Jr.'s art, so that would be something that would make me pick it up. But I just, I just can't be bothered to, to follow all those zillions of, of crossover titles. That's why the big mega crossovers always end up being turnoffs for me because they make it so hard to get the whole story. Because yeah, they, they and I was worried about that for everything. Civil War too because and you know, I, I, I was just – Right, I just picked up the main title, but I didn't feel like I was lost. I mean, that one definitely had a lot more crossovers. It was definitely in way more Marvel titles. But I think this one's designed to be more self-contained that way. That way you don't feel like you have to pick up, you know, ten books every month just so you can get a feel for what's going on. So they're, they're, they're reining it in, I think, as far as the, the mega crossover over all of their titles. 
which is nice for me because I'm not going to pick up all the rest of those. I'm just just interested in this one shot kind of story. So it's going through um, through October, and uh, issue number three just came out, and um, so this is my my review of it. Um, but we also have other reviews on our website um, that Jefferson has done. Yep, we actually it's been happening for a while, and we never got around to mentioning this. Uh, I added a new section to the website called Thoughts. And uh, the idea of that section is that uh, the other guys, Jefferson, Jonathan, or even some of our listeners, people who have emailed me things, uh, I put things on that they write, either reviews or commentary. Um, and uh, Jefferson's been writing comics reviews on there uh, pretty regularly. I've tried to do one a week. I've slacked off a bit in the last couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, I've written, I think, uh, three or four reviews on there so far. Just I just pick my favorite comic each week and write a review of it. Now Jonathan just has to catch up with him with some DC reviews or with some Marvel reviews. <laughs> yeah, since yeah, so I think exactly. all of mine have been DC books so far, all of my reviews. Yeah, I think probably my next one I'll post on there in the thoughts section is uh, there's a good one out. Uh, it's a mini series about the Silver Surfer called Silver Surfer Requiem, uh, where apparently the uh, the surfer's body is breaking down, hence the Requiem. He's dying. Um, they've got uh, three out of four issues up for that so far, so I think I'll pick one of those and and post uh, my thoughts on that Marvel title. Now, will you uh, catch up? It's just all about the surfer, isn't it? Yeah, it's it always is. down to the surfer with you. But now you it may be at an end. I don't know. Spend some time catching up, and then we'll switch, and you, you write a DC review, and I'll write a Marvel review. Oh, wow. One of the two Marvel titles that I read every month. <laughs> a crossover for us. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so uh, the last of our reviews, and I know I'm the only one watching this, uh, is we're a couple episodes into the second season of Who Wants to Be a Superhero. See my review of Flash Gordon. And let's move on. <laughs> so let's get on with the news from the last couple weeks. Let's talk news. You can always get additional info and links to these stories on our website. That's SuperheroCinema.com. The front page of our site will always keep you updated on the latest info about superhero movies and TV shows from all over the web. So uh, first up, let's go through some new casting. Uh, big thing, uh, they've got a star for The Spirit. This is Frank Miller's film of uh, Will Eisner's character, The Spirit. The star is Gabriel Macht. Um, he's done a lot of television work. Um, his only regular role uh, was he played the Doctor on The Others, and uh, he is playing the Spirit. Um, he's also in the film coming up uh, that I know Jefferson's interested in uh, because he read the comic that it's based on called Whiteout. Um, as the villain, the octopus, we've got Sam the Man, Samuel L. Jackson. Automatically sort of elevates the, the film status a little bit. Yeah, if I have to tell you who Sam Jackson is, you don't watch movies. Right, exactly. Uh, we've got as the leading lady, Scarlett Johansson. Um, she is playing, well, this is unconfirmed. It's rumored that she's playing the character Silken Floss. Um, I'm assuming all of these are regular characters from the spirit book. I'm, I'm not that familiar with it. Yeah, I don't actually know that character. I, I'm not super familiar with the spirit, but I've, I've been reading the current DC series done by Darwin Cook. And I figured Scarlett Johansson for uh, uh, – Commissioner Dolan is like the – he's the Commissioner Gordon type character, and he has a daughter whose name eludes me for the moment. I figured she would be playing her, but – Well, you may be right. Um, they just announced just in the last couple of days uh, that Eva Mendez has been added as well. Uh, people would remember her recently from Ghost Rider. Um, it's rumored that she will be playing the character Sa uh, Sand Serif. Mm -hmm. She's the 
temptress catwoman type villain slash love interest for the spirit that could be fun and uh moving on to watchmen uh one of our most eagerly anticipated films uh they've added a, another character or another actress to it uh, carla gugino who people will remember from uh sin city um she is playing the mother of uh of uh laurie jupiter she's playing sally jupiter the original silk specter that ought to be fun i like her I've, I've... yep yeah I've, I've seen her in a lot of stuff uh, she was fun in all these Spy Kids movies as well as the mom in there. So she has experience playing moms of superheroes. Right. <laughs> yeah, that ought to be good. Uh, the series Heroes, uh, there have been, as as there were last time we talked about it, lots of casting notices. I mean, lots of new heroes being added, lots, to, lots of new background characters, lots of new supporting characters. Um, you know, Every couple of days there's there's some new casting notices. Most of them are just you know TV actors that you might recognize or, or that you don't know um, playing new roles, people that uh, may become more famous, some people who may be breakout stars after the show will find out. But uh, they did uh, have a really big coup. Um, they've added Kristen Bell from Veronica Mars, the star of Veronica Mars, is going to be doing at least 13 episodes of the series this season. That ought to make all the Veronica Mars fans happy since they're so since their show just got canceled. Right, and that, that has a really loyal fan base. It wasn't enough to save the show, but uh, there's a lot of big fans out there for, for Veronica Mars. Um, what's very interesting is that about a week before, it had been rumored that she was going to be cast on Lost. And uh, then a couple days later, it was, it was confirmed that she was cast on Heroes. So uh, it, uh, I think she's actually confirmed that as well, that, she, that they were talking to her. So, so Heroes actually was able to steal someone away from being a potential Lost uh, cast member. Which is uh, pretty neat there. I'm okay with that. I watch both shows, so that's no yeah. problem. And uh, joining the cast this season, probably not for or any regular period, probably a short, maybe one or two episodes. Um, they're they're dipping into the Star Trek pool again uh, after having George Takei on last year. Um, Nichelle Nichols, uh, her from Star Trek, uh, who will be making an appearance on Heroes this season. She'll be playing Nana. Who, who is uh, the New Orleans-based grandmother of one of the new lead characters on the show, Monica. She's a new hero who uh, hails from New Orleans. That should be cool. Uh, I mean, you know, we always want to get some sort of, you know, famous people in there to help promote the show even more to the I average it, person. It works better if you give the famous people the bit parts rather than the uh, the main parts. I think that's what's nice about the spirit casting that we just talked about, too, is they've got a relative unknown as the lead, and then they've got some stars that might draw a larger audience as the the background characters that it's not quite so critical that you i mean it's okay if if the spirit's girlfriend is is a a movie starlet but the spirit you want to you want to see him as the spirit you don't want to see him as as whatever actor is playing him it's okay for the actor's personality to overwhelm the roles when they're the villain or the the girlfriend or show up for sam jackson and stay for the spirit yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I'm saying same thing goes for heroes. I think, I think, uh, having somebody like George Takai or Nichelle Nichols is great for minor parts. Yeah. But most of the heroes so far, they've been casting either, either people who've done a lot of series work and, and you kind of recognize their face, but they're not famous. Yeah. They're not overwhelming personalities. They're not, not Tom Cruise's or Jack Nicholson's. Exactly. Moving on to some directing and writing notices, uh, Matthew Vaughn, who uh, came within minutes of directing X3, if people will remember that, um, but most recently came out with the film Stardust, he, he directed that, is going to be, going to be directing Thor. Uh, he'll be directing based on a script by Mark Protosevich, who uh, wrote the upcoming Will Smith film I Am Legend. He also wrote the movie The Cell. Now that ought to be interesting because, I mean, I like Matthew Vaughn. I haven't seen Stardust, but I saw uh, Layer Cake, which was his first feature film, which is great. It was a really great crime drama. 
But if you think about it, the Marvel Comics version of Thor is kind of – it's a kind of bizarre concept if you take it out of the context of the Marvel Universe. He, he's this Norse god who's alive in modern times and he's doing his Norse god heroic swinging his hammer around thing in modern-day New York City. And that can make for a really interesting movie. Right. I know that that's always been one of the things that had been concerning about doing an adaptation of Thor is whenever they talked about doing a script of it or they talked about possible uses of the character, it always came up to you know the whole god issue, <laughs> the fact that the fact that he's a a god, he's a Norse god, and so in in modern day uh, Judeo Christian America, can, you know, how do you have a lead character who is quote unquote a god and not offend people? Um, I know when they actually did do the character in live action once previously, they did him in one of the uh, TV movies of The Incredible Hulk. Uh, it was actually The Return of the Incredible Hulk. Uh, the the Hulk was played by Eric Kramer, and um, they they kind of skirted the issue by having him just be a Viking. He was just a Viking of the period who went by the name of Thor, and so he was not he he was tied to that period. He was tied to the Viking era. He was tied to the Norse gods. He did invoke the name of Odin, but he didn't claim to be a god himself. I think it'd be interesting if they they sort of use the approach that the Ultimates comic book series uses, where uh, they leave room for doubt. You know, the, one of the little side plots in the Ultimates is that you never really know whether Thor is actually the Norse god of thunder, or if he's just some nut who thinks he's the Norse god of thunder. I think that that made for. I mean, they didn't make a huge deal. It was a side plot in the comic. It wasn't like a main storyline, but I, I thought it was interesting. I, I agree. Was, Having read that, I, I found that very intriguing as a concept for it to kind of leave leave that there. You never know for sure that you know whether he's actually Norse god, but he believes he is and claims to be. I, think well, I don't think you need to, to worry too much about audiences these days. I think they're savvy enough to be able to watch a movie regardless if it goes against Judeo-Christian beliefs. I mean, I'm yeah, still going to see, you know, like uh, Hellraiser or uh, Hellblazer, you know. And it's been proven time and again that picketers outside the movie theater will increase ticket sales. Some, some healthy protests might be good for the movie. We should go protest the movie just so we can increase its sales. But uh, I would, I for one would like to see that idea from the Ultimates given center stage. You know, I think it, I think a great movie would be one about, you know, is he Thor? Is he a knight who thinks he's Thor? And in the end, does that really matter? Does it make him any less of a hero if he's not actually the God of Thunder? If he's just some nutcase? I think it's un- it's unfortunate though that now they'll be trying to cast Thor and Conan at the same time since that Conan movie's in the works too. So uh, muscle men, get out to Hollywood, get get on the phone with your agents and uh, get a part in one of these two movies. Yeah, I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, hit the gym some more there, John. <laughs> So speaking of timing on on this film, uh, while it is confirmed that Matthew Vaughn is going to direct the film, there is an issue about when it might happen. I mean, obviously, Marvel is is trying to get Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk finished and out the door, and and ideally would would wait till those are done and successful to start Thor. But the wrinkle in that is that next year there's a possibility of some writers and director strikes. And whenever that comes up every couple of years when, when the guilds, the Directors Guild and the Writers Guild uh, have the potential to have a strike when their contracts are up, uh, Hollywood kind of freaks out <laughs> and uh, starts furiously trying to get as much stuff filmed and completed as possible so that they have product to be able to put out during a possible strike if, if they have to go for a couple months without being able to produce new films or new TV series. So you'll, you'll have that a lot with TV shows where they'll try, almost you know, try to get six or seven episodes of the following season done and ready and in the can before they even 
you know get started on the new season so that they can show that during during a potential strike. Um, and and he, the director uh, Matthew Vaughn has actually mentioned that as an issue in this film that that may shorten the timetable and they may you know try to get the film completed before the potential strike, which would mean them trying to complete it I think probably before June of next year. Boy, that'd be a big rush for a film. Like it, it would be quite a rush for for this type of film. But you know, with his background in in smaller budget movies, that might he, he'd be a good choice to be able to accomplish that. Well, I always start to worry when superhero movies get rushed and things, you know, corners yeah, that's when you end up with things like X3. Right, yeah. that is what happened with X3, yeah. I mean, is that uh, the director came in at the last minute after Matthew Vaughn had done all the prep and, and kind of left about <laughs> a month before shooting began uh, felt he really couldn't handle this scope of a film and, and then, you know, another director came in and rushed it out. And honestly, I can probably go for months without seeing a movie put out by Hollywood, so I won't <laughs> shed a tear there. <laughs> yeah, maybe they could wait until after the strike to do one that way that way the rock can play thor and conan (laughs) speaking of the other marvel projects that are in the pipeline um it is confirmed that ed norton is definitely rewriting the script on the hulk on the incredible hulk he will have a screenplay credit on it so uh it could totally change the whole feel of the film i mean obviously they're not going to change any of the main actors they've you know they've already cast the main roles i imagine that the basic structure of the story will remain the same and he'll just probably concentrate on making the dialogue work better and he'll just polish it yeah polish it yeah i'm good with that because i've I've enjoyed the things that he's worked on i think it's great yeah i think it's great that he's he's he cares enough about the project to feel the need to do that at all you know he clearly sees it as more than just a paycheck and so do we yeah well he actually has the devotion to want to want to bother rewriting it i think that 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 says something about the what the the quality of the film we can look forward to and we do have a story on the other marvel film iron man uh we were very excited by uh all the reports of the footage at iron man that was shown at comic-con um unfortunately i could not find it on the web i know it uh, was put on youtube but was pretty quickly taken off by paramount john favreau has uh posted on his uh ever continuing myspace page basically uh, most of the best news about this film have, have come from john favreau's myspace page yeah he, i wonder when he has time to direct movies with all the time <laughs> he spends on myspace he actually doesn't post that often he and he doesn't post that much whenever he posts it's it's like one paragraph every couple of weeks and and it seems bigger because there's like 3000 comments on his messages but his his messages are pretty much a paragraph here or there. But uh, in his most recent one, he actually said that we do, we do understand, we do recognize that everyone wants to see this footage and everyone's excited for it. So they he is promising that they are going to put it out in some format. Um, he doesn't say when, he doesn't say how, but but hopefully you know sometime soon, you know, ideally before you know full trailer hits hits theaters, we'll get to see the Comic Con footage. That'll be cool to see. I mean, I'm always want to you know to see uh, stuff that came out of Comic Con. You know, I would hope that. Uh they post all that footage, you know. I mean, just because we didn't get to go doesn't mean that all those people who didn't get to go don't want to see it. Yeah, it's not like them putting it out on TV so that they, they kill the, the excitement or show too much to the general audience. You know, put it out there on the Internet and the people who really care, the people who are really passionate about it, you know, basically crazy people like me, you know, will definitely want to watch it. <laughs> and in the end, it can only help the film. Yeah, because as much as they can get the early adopters, the people who are really passionate about it, to be really excited and tell 12 of their friends that they absolutely have to see Iron Man, the better. So what is his MySpace page? I always hear about it, but do you know what it is? Oh, I think, I think it's uh, just MySpace.com slash John Favreau, I believe. John Favreau, F-A-V-R-E-A-U. Yeah, I got to go check it out. I'll, I'll bookmark it and see when he uh, pops up with that, that footage there. 
So the one thing that didn't happen at Comic-Con that we were that I was kind of anticipating was to have an actual panel of the writer, director, and the stars of The Dark Knight, the sequel to Batman Begins at Comic-Con. Uh, that didn't happen. The studio did have a brief panel about it where essentially all they did was show the teaser trailer. Um, I, I kind of had thought since they were in the country filming in Chicago that they would be able to send the actors and, and the director and writer out to Comic-Con. Well, they didn't, um, and they had a good reason. They waited for... Or Wizard World Chicago, which was a week later. Yeah, save some save some plane tickets. Exactly. Yeah, they, you know it was it was a big comics convention happening right there in Chicago where they were filming. So they went ahead and had their big panel there, and uh, they had uh, both Nolans. That's that's uh, Christopher Nolan, the director, and Jonathan Nolan, his brother, who uh, has written the script. Uh, David Goyer, who also worked on the script. And then the actors Gary Oldman, Aaron Eckhart, Christian Bale, all were there at uh, Wizard World Chicago. I read the transcript of the panel. It, it was uh, pretty exciting, pretty interesting stuff. Uh, a lot of a lot of the uh, more humorous questions were directed to Aaron Eckhart, trying to get him to commit to anything uh, Two Face related, and and he. Uh, very uh, politely demurred, <laughs> or very comically demurred in some cl- some cases, um, but uh, everyone sounded very excited about it. They they were all thrilled to be working on it. Um, everyone praised Heath Ledger as the Joker. Just uh, couldn't you know stop talking about how incredible he was. Um, they did show a whole lot of footage, and I did read the you know, the reports on the footage. Um, sounds like all very good stuff. Um, probably a lot of that is where uh, the, the newer pictures that came out on the web uh, about a week ago. They they posted about eighteen new photos from the set. Um, Been a lot of new photos. Yeah. Right? So a lot of good stuff on there. Um, I haven't seen that footage online, and that's one where I'm not sure I want to. I'm not sure that I want to be kind of spoiled by by a lot of footage from uh, The Dark Knight. But it's just exciting that they had that panel, that they got all of them on the stage and had them talk to people what they would have done at Comic-Con. What did they talk about? They just talked about working on the film, being there in Chicago, and, and you know, like I said, mostly a lot of praising Heath Ledger and you know how how much they like the franchise. You know how excited uh, you know they are to be doing another Batman. But they didn't reveal any plot details. Or no, not in the panel. Anything itself. like that, right? Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. no, but the footage definitely. You know, sh- Gave, gave people a kind of flavor of, of what it's going to feel like. Uh, so one casting notice on The Dark Knight, um, the senator from Vermont, Patrick Leahy, is actually going to be in the film in a small cameo role. I guess he's a uh, huge Batman fan. Um, he actually made a brief appearance, another cameo, in the Batman and Robin movie, which I'm kind of hoping is not going to be him jinxing this one that way. Yeah. Yeah, where does he find time to represent Vermont with all this time he spends appearing in Batman movies? I just don't know. But uh, they've definitely oh, got he a, makes time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he makes I time know, for I Batman. I sure would. So some DVD news. Um, Spider-Man 3 will be on DVD and Blu-ray October 30th. Uh, Fantastic Four will be on DVD October 2nd. Uh, Transformers will be on DVD in November. Um, they didn't give a date. And uh, kind of a, <laughs> a tangent off of that, uh, speaking of high-def releases, um, Paramount, the studio who put out Transformers, uh, just announced this week that uh, they had been working with both the Blu-ray format and the HD DVD format. Uh, they made a huge announcement to say that all of their stuff in the future will only be on HD DVD, that they're picking that as their format. Um, the rumors are that they've been paid a huge humongous amount of money, over $100 million to make that choice. Um, I don't necessarily think we need to get into a whole Blu-ray versus high-def uh, HD DVD debate on here. Um, 
Save it for the Blu-ray versus HD DVD podcast. Right. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing is Michael Bay, the director of Transformers, uh, put on his blog uh, that after the announcement, um, he he got really pissed off about the fact that, I guess, people had emailed him being, being angry that uh, Transformers won't be available on Blu-ray. And that caused him to go ahead and post on his blog that, that because of that decision on Paramount's part that he would not be part of a Transformers 2. Um, the very next day, he posted again to say that that was the alcohol speaking <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that he that that in no way will influence his decision on whether or, or not to do a Transformers two. Yeah, I read his. I read a little news blurb on uh, online about his, the apology. I hadn't heard about the original post, but yeah, he said that uh, he had actually had dinner that night with some people who were Blu-ray fans, and they, it was so it was a dinner conversation, and basically went straight to the computer, I guess. And these these directors and their blogging, I don't know. Yeah, I think don't, should, don't don't type and drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, these guys should just stay off the internet. <laughs> it just gets them into too much trouble, doesn't it? Yeah, they, I, I don't know that they get that. As soon as they finish typing that and they hit send, it's out there, and you know all all these other blogs, all these other news sites, including us, will 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 take what they say and discuss it. No taking it back. Well, he tried to take it back at the end, but now we we know how like. You know, influ- influenced he can be. So I guess maybe a breathalyzer on his on his computer might be the best. Thing. <laughs> yeah, they're talking about building those into the cars. Maybe they should start building them into keyboards. Yeah, let's let's do my keyboards first. How about let's get the important thing done, keep the internet safe, then we'll worry about the highways. <laughs> So for all these three DVDs, I think the only one I'm going to get is just the Transformers one. I mean, I know I've got Super, I got Spider-Man one and two. I don't know. I may get three, but you know, like like we've said before, you know, when we do our reviews, it just I just don't know Spider-Man three and Fantastic Four two are just DVD worthy. Seems like you would at least want to get Fantastic Four two and and set it up so you could just watch the Silver Surfer scenes. No, that actually might not be a bad idea. <laughs> Do a little screensaver thing going on. Nice. Just a continuous loop of the Silver Surfer twenty four hours a day at Jonathan's house. He just is the it. man. So finishing up on DVDs and also it's a it's another high def uh, DVD discussion. Um, Three hundred is uh, now the best-selling high-definition DVD title, and it's been put out by Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers has had a stance of, we're going to work with both formats, we're going to put all our stuff out in both Blu-ray and HDTV, and that strategy is working for them. It, it is the best-selling uh, high-definition DVD title so far, and that's both Blu-ray and HDDVD. It, it broke sales records for both formats. Um, it's been a huge success for them. Um, they're really happy with it, and I think that's, you know, at least for the time being, the way to go, and, and definitely a uh, good signpost to other studios to say, look, you know, <laughs> you, you know, Put it out in both and see what happens, and you know let 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 the uh, consumer decide. Why potentially cut off a portion of your uh, your buying audience by not releasing it in a in a format at least until the the dust settles on which format ends up being more prominent. But beyond all of that, it's a huge boon for three hundred, a huge boon for its director Zack Snyder, and uh, you know bolsters his position for uh, getting his way on Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious when you say it's a highest selling. High def, I mean, yeah, it could be high selling, but could it still only capture like 1% of the market or something? I mean, what yeah, does that mean? Yeah, there's not that many high def titles yet. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah, it means it is sold more than maybe any, not. Any other not high many def people have today. the players either. I, I mean, I don't, but. Yeah, true. Um, but yeah, the, I guess it just means it's good for the format in the future, right? Right. And it's good for Zack Snyder. Yep. That's that's really the main thing I'm excited about. Is it, the happier he is, yeah. the less likely he will be to screw up the Watchmen. Right. So let's try to keep him as happy as possible. <laughs> 
speaking of the Watchmen, he's got a blog um, on the the Watchmen website too, doesn't he? I thought I saw Again it. Yeah, two up there. <laughs> Again with the directors with the blogs. Hey, this is 2007. You got to have a blog for your movie. I guess so. And uh, yeah, I think he just posted some uh, some production text, like a little some text wrap up from uh, Comic Con. So there's just all these blogs. I'm going to have to try to pop in every now and then and check out. I See, I'm so. okay checking out the blog for this because I know how it's going to end. I mean, we know the story already front and back. So True. It's different yeah. than something like The Dark Knight or, you know, like The Fantastic Four 2. You don't know what's going to happen, so that would be spoilerish. So the spoilers would definitely be different for The Watchmen than the usual superhero movie, I think. That's or, true. Since we do know that he is going to stay true to the book, you know, we, we can hope that, that that means there are no surprises since we know the book. Yeah, so I've been I meaning just, to get yeah. the book out and reread it too. But I have the like the big absolute edition, the giant like fifty pound hardcover. So I'll have to take a weekend and just sit at home and read it because I can't carry it around with me to read. It's too big. I've probably over the years had Watchmen in just about every format it's been released in. Yeah, I know I've had a couple copies of the trade paperback. I this this was my first one, but I think over the years I've bought additional copies and given them to people as as kind of you know if you want to read comics or you want to know about superheroes, here read this. So our last news story for the week, um, this is under the category of those uh, stories that we cover where something's being done. It's not tied to Marvel or DC or any existing characters. It's uh, people jumping on the superhero bandwagon. Um, this is an announced show on the Sci-Fi Channel for sometime in 2008 called The Awesomes, and it is from the producers of Saturday Night Live. Um, yeah, that's just, a red flag right there. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go ahead and actually just read the press release for it because it kind of sums it up and, and uh, can't be said better any other way. Super Friends meet The Office in this animated workplace comedy about a team of past-their-prime superheroes looking to get back onto, just, onto the Justice Enforcement A-list. The Awesomes is about America's first superhero team. Formed in the 1940s, the team has gone through a revolving roster of the world's top heroes, gradually losing popularity as other cooler superhero teams come into favor. The Awesomes, funded by a long-standing U.S. government contract, may be forced to, to disband when the current administration requests bids from other teams. Can this motley crew of has-been heroes reclaim their glory days? The Awesomes is from Broadway Video Television in association with Universal Media Studios. Seth Meyers, Saturday Night Live, and Michael Shoemaker, Saturday Night Live, are executive producers slash writers. Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live is the executive producer. So, uh... <laughs> Let's see. Can we say or remind people that NBC, which makes Saturday Night Live, is owned by Universal, which also owns the Sci-Fi Channel? <laughs> That's pretty much about the only reason for this to exist. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, I wasn't exactly writing an NBC demanding a show like this. So. Oh, you weren't? You know, may- maybe in one of my drunken states, I blogged yeah, right. at NBC. So, yeah. Maybe it was Michael Bay's idea. He got hacked <laughs> one night. Hey, guys, here's what you should do. Yeah, it sounds underwhelming. It sounds like something that will last less than a season. It's it's so weird to me how broad the quality of stuff that the Sci-Fi Channel does ends up being. It seems like everything they do is either brilliant or it's horrible. There's this such this wide gap in the quality of, of stuff that they do. I mean, it's hard for me to believe that the same network that does the new Battlestar Galactica does stuff like, uh, well, this and Flash, Flash Gordon. And uh, who wants to be a superhero? Right, well, I was going to say, what, what, where was the brilliant? And then, yeah, I thought about Battlestar Galactica. But then you've it's it's not like it's a, you know an even trade. It's not like you've got you know five brilliants and five crap. You've got right. You've but got the, one the brilliant there. in the entire history of the channel. Well, <laughs> and everything I, else crap. Well, I'm and I'm I'm 
hesitant to count Farscape because they didn't originate Farscape. It started out somewhere else and came to Sci-Fi Channel later. But they did do they did fund and make the last three seasons of Farscape, which was also brilliant. So, yeah, and I guess two brilliants and a bunch of garbage. But but the, when they're on, they're really on, though. I mean, Battlestar Galactica is an awesome show. It's just when they're off, they're that much more off, and they're more off than on these days, it seems like. Well, at least they're trying. i got to commend them for that. Somewhere in the big NBC to office tower, there's somebody whose job it is to decide with each new show whether it's going to be on NBC, Sci-Fi Channel, or USA Network. And I wonder who that is and how they decide which show goes where. I wonder if maybe they go, well, this show's pretty – this looks like a stupid idea. Let's stick it on the Sci-Fi Channel. We'll save the good stuff for NBC <laughs> and USA. Yeah. Poor Sci-Fi Channel. Well, I won't discount this one just yet. I'd have to at least see some sort of preview for it. Yeah, I mean, it could be funny, but it doesn't sound good. So we don't have a lot of rumors. Uh, let's let's try to cover them pretty quickly, actually. Um, one rumor is, uh, well, two of our rumors are all concerning a potential Justice League of America film that uh, kind of is an on-again, off-again rumor. Um, one rumor has George Miller, the director, um, who, here, here's a gamut for you, um, has directed the Babe films and also directed the Mad Max films. So, <laughs> that's range. Yeah, that's that range is, for you. The director. You cannot accuse that of typecasting. Yep. So it's <laughs> it's been rumored that uh, he could be a potential director for a live action Justice League of America film. Um, and it's impo- because of that wide range. It's impossible to say whether that would be good or not. I mean, he clearly pretty majorly adapts his style to suit the material that he's he's working with. So, well, if he has to pick a style, I'm hoping it's closer to Mad Max than Babe. Babe, yeah. Although two two Mad Max wouldn't be right for Justice League either. That's true. All the rumors kind of keep coming back and forth. Um, they keep talking about it being on the fast track that 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 uh, Warner's wants to move ahead with this, and that uh, it may be at the expense of a Superman film. That that uh, they may put you know a second Superman film on the back burner and make this the primary next big Warner Brothers uh, DC Comics superhero project. Um, almost all of the rumors agree with uh, the heroes being the core kind of Justice League of Green Lantern, uh, Flash, Wonder Woman, uh, basically would give them a chance to to create new film franchises, possibilities for those characters so that if this worked well, they'd be able to take those characters and have them go off into their own solo films. Um, and I assume that Superman and Batman are in there as well? Well, that's where the rumors kind of differ, um, you know, depending on which week <laughs> you, you know, they come out with new stuff, is whether or not Batman would be in it. Um, some of them would talk about having you know, Christian Bale be in a cameo where it would basically be you know, Batman being you know, invited to be part of it and not wanting to have anything to do with it. Um, uh, almost all the rumors involve you know, ideally having Brandon Routh in there as Superman so that it would be him getting to continue the character in lieu of another film and, and hopefully get a more exciting world around, around the Superman character to be able to help you know, another big budget uh, Superman sequel. Yeah, I think that would be the best choice. I think the best choice would be to leave Batman out and and center it on Brandon Routh's Superman and add Flash and Aquaman and Wonder Woman and Green Lantern and probably add the major characters that most people at least know who they are and that work well on screen. I mean, all those characters I think would work great on the big screen. And yeah, it would be a great way to launch possible franchises for all those individual characters. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the big thing is I can't, 
you know, is that uh, I would see this as being definitely expensive, and so it would be a matter of uh, you know how they're going to figure that out. You know, who's going to well, do yes it. and no. I mean, they they were able to make three X Men films without it. it I mean, it, I get money wasn't an issue on, on any of the X Men films. I don't think so. It's possible to do money well. was an issue in all of them, but they yeah. but they got them done. Yeah, and and it, it it wasn't that much of an issue, obviously, because they did get the movies done, and that was those were. You know, science fiction, fantasy, superhero movies with a lot of characters. And that's the thing that makes you think that Justice League would be expensive is that it would have a lot of characters. Right. Now, just uh, today, there was a, a new rumor about it that, it, that uh, they might do it in the same kind of motion capture style that the uh, new Beowulf movie is being done. Oh, but, uh, God. I hope I, not. Yeah, I don't. I'm hoping not to. Yeah, I, that, I doubt that, that there's just any looks freaky. to that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, here's uh, – I don't like to wish ill on anybody, but here's hoping the Beowulf doesn't do that well because <laughs> if it does well, we'll see a slew of movies done in that style. And I, I don't like that animation style. And I don't, I don't think Beowulf will do that well because I think most audiences don't respond to that, that animation style. I think it's, it's just too bizarre and grotesque for people. You know, There have been movies before that have come out in that style and none of them have ever done significantly well. Like Polar Express. Polar Express. There were, there were a few before then. There was uh, – Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly was a different animation style. It was still that kind of realistic looking, you know, yeah. almost like animating over real actors type stuff. Yeah, the animation was the least of that film's problems. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll hold off on any kind of you know, serious comment on this until there's an actual announcement, something that we could put in the actual news section and not in the rumor section. Well, it's a DC movie, so uh, I expect many more rumors and putting the movie off and um, just general mayhem when it comes to getting it done. Right. (laughs) Yeah, considering, yeah, Marvel's got like, you know, three huge projects, several animated films, lots of stuff in the works, and, you know, DC has Batman. But at least Batman is. I mean, the the quality counts for right. Something. Exactly. Yeah. That that one is is definitely an equal to lots of the other stuff being made. Well, that's it for our rumors this time around. We'll keep following stories like this so you don't have to. Well, that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, stay subscribed, and if you have anything for us, uh, please email us at podcast at superherocinema.com or call us and leave us a voicemail at 303-800-HERO. That's 303-800-4376. Thank you, Jefferson and Jonathan. Thank you, Michael. And thank you, Michael. And thank you to our listeners for once again joining us. We hope you keep showing up for Superhero Cinema. We're saving the world one fan at a time. And we're out.